0: Identify what your own energy is and learn to differentiate it from others. Use it all the time, wherever you go. When you start scanning your environment and saying, well, that's someone else's energy over there, you can go on a whole rabbit hole just feeling into them as you're in a conversation and just get all this, you know, feelings about this or feeling about that. And it can be very confusing. But I really highly recommend just to bring yourself and your awareness back to what is yours, what feels like you. This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I am your host, Integrative Intuitive Medium, Kara Loveheart, and we're continuing on with our empath series today. We're going to talk about ending energy enmeshment. So, empaths in relationships. This is a big one. We talked about boundaries in the last episode, but we're going to go into ways that we experience these crossing of boundaries on an everyday basis. Let's start with the common ways that we end up enmeshing our energy or entangling our energy with other people. we lose track of ourselves, we start to absorb other people's emotional debris, and then we, of course, get drained and all the other lovely symptoms that come along with losing yourself and absorbing other people's energy. There are four common ways that we experience energy exchange in different dynamics. These are layered based on the intimacy levels that we are experiencing with those individuals. We have strangers and acquaintances, which are a little bit more outside of our bubble. They're not as close to us intimately. We have people at work that we interact with, our extended family, and then our immediate family, like our romantic partners, our spouse, our children. And that is the levels of our intimacy, how it kind of progresses there. When we are empathic, we of course are picking up energy from other people in our environment, but it's a lot more intense in relationship dynamics that we have chosen to allow them into our hearts, into our space, um, emotionally, energetically, psychologically, on a little bit deeper level. In general, if we are experiencing these emotional drains or the emotional debris from other people we experiencing it, again, in layers, depending on how close we are with those people. So with strangers, we usually experience this when they're drawn to us in public. You know, you have that person that just seems to show up and talk your ear off. Or if you are experiencing someone in public that is, is maybe intrusive or they're aggressive or, or assertive or maybe angry, we've all experienced this in the example of aggressive drivers, and that's something that's really common for people to um, have this empathic attack, I'll call it, if we are driving and someone cuts us off or you know they give the middle finger out the window or they're honking at you. That's something that for anybody is very aggressive and assertive and I'll say invasive to the nervous system. It startles us. It puts us in a startle response and sometimes it can even set us off and make us feel Right? Do we go right into that fight or flight? Do we get into we want to be aggressive and assertive, or do we get stunned and or we freeze or we, you know, we just want to run away? So that's something that's really common for us to experience, absorbing someone else's emotional anger through their experience of traffic issues or whatever it is that they're dealing with on the road. Another way you'll experience strangers in public is maybe when you're in a queue line somewhere could be at the pharmacy, it could be at a theme park, it could be at the grocery store, it could be in the doctor's office, anywhere where you're waiting in a group with people. And people get impatient, uh, maybe they're talking to their loved ones on the phone in the queue line, that's also even more a little bit hard to block out what's going on because they might be talking about their stress. But these are common ways that we experience energy enmeshment with strangers. And I'm going to talk about Three different ways that we can stop absorbing emotional debris here at the end, but I want to just go over and talk about the common ways that we may experience emotional overload in these dynamics. And again, the first one was strangers because they're a little bit further away. You know, they're not someone that's close to us, we may never see them again, or they're acquaintances that we don't really interact with on a long, long-term basis. So relationships at work. So that's a little bit closer to us, isn't it? Relationships at work are affect us because we interact with them on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. With COVID, a lot of people who are empathic had a really great time working from home, working remotely, but even if you're working remotely and you don't have a desk job or you don't work in a facility with other individuals, relationships at work can still affect you in the dynamic of an interaction over email, over text message. If you have some sort of communication system that your team uses those things can still affect us. So when we're affected and absorbing all the emotional debris in relationships at work, this is when we are experiencing maybe we're being talked about. Maybe an aggressive coworker or boss is venting or we are experiencing their disappointment in something that we did do or we didn't do. When we're working on a deadline at work, this can create intensity in our own emotional experience Or it can, of course, create stress in the work environment where maybe the whole team is working on a deadline. And that heightens the emotional tension in the entire work environment, thus increasing our exposure to the emotional debris that we might be absorbing. This can also occur in an intense meeting, um, whether those deadlines are not. But in business meetings, there can absolutely be intense interactions and social dynamics that can create Um, This crossover and this energy enmeshment that we experience. Dealing with customers or clients that um, are having problems as well. So those are common ways we experience energy overload at work. But another thing that I will mention, if you are working in a building, as an empath, environment interruptions are also important to note. That those are things that put our nervous system on high alert and make it a little bit harder for us to block out all the emotional stimulus around us. So these things are such as the noises. If you work in a, a busy environment where it's noisy, um, or maybe if you have don't have a private office and you're working maybe in close proximity to others, you're experiencing of course the emotions, the sounds, the noises, the typing, the whatever the noises are of the daily work environment. But also lighting is a big thing. A lot of people are who are empathic are very sensitive to fluorescent lighting. And it can really put a damper on your system and make it harder again to handle energy enmeshment. Temperature of the building is a big deal too, because of course, if you're too hot, if you're too cold, that's going to set your nervous system off. And then the last thing about your environment is the building imprints. So, what I mean by that is what was the building used for in the past? There are definitely a lot of older buildings here on the East Coast that have either hauntings or ghosts or just energy that's stagnant or just feels just kind of dead or still. And a lot of these older buildings, specifically here close to York county, we have Gettysburg. And so there's a lot of people that work in these buildings that have residual hauntings. So if people are empathic and they're sensitive to those building imprints, whether there's ghosties there or not, you know, call them little ghosties. I think ghosties is a, it's a much more uh, disarming word for people who are startled by the word ghost. And we'll talk about that on other episodes, but it's like there's building imprints that are there from the environment and also just the entire business that you're working for. A business is a reflection of the energy of the people who run it. That includes you as the worker or the boss or your whole leadership team, whoever, whatever your role is at work. A business is, is absolutely energy, energetic imprint of the people who run it. So if you come into a, a work environment and you feel what's going on in there, that's of course going to be something that you could potentially cross over into your energy and uh, you get enmeshed with that. We're getting closer to home. We're getting closer to our intimate personal lives is relationships with family. This is absolutely very common for us to have siblings or parents who pull on us, whether they're pulling on us because they rely on us and they call us or they text us and they're that that sibling or that parent that needs our help, or they're the nagging parent or sibling that's getting on us to do something or we should be this way, or they could be pulling on our energy in a way of just disappointment or disapproval. So all the ways that we encounter and interact with our family, parents or siblings, aunts, uncles, all the extended family, that absolutely can be an energy drain and can affect us as empaths. When our, our family's worried about us, angry with us, or maybe we're unwell um, and we just have a hard time blocking out that. Because when we're not feeling well, it's it's very challenging sometimes to separate ourselves and we get enmeshed with our family I know that whenever I feel one of my family members who's not well, um, I will have dreams about them and it starts to pull on me. But, you know, again, we're going to talk about ways to stop absorbing that and to not get enmeshed. But again, the closer you are to your family members, we're going to go into romantic partners and children here. That absolutely can put a toll on you because you are connected to them. And the more you're connected with them on some level, your identity is a part of their life. So they are part of your identity, part of who you are. And that we talked about in the last episode, the safe zone, boundaries for empaths, we talked about the safest place for you to be is completely anchored in within yourself and your identity. As we get closer to home, it gets becomes a little bit more difficult and challenging at times to separate ourselves from this energy enmeshment, as I call it. So family quarrels, also another way that we experience this, or even the opposite, which is where there's fighting, but there's not talking about it. It's the silent treatment. There's things that are unsaid. There's just discomfort across the board. So that also is another way that we experience this in our relationships with our family. And I think that one of the biggest ones for empaths in family dynamics is when families are having expectations, things are going unsaid, or there are judgments being placed upon us. That's something that's very challenging. And a lot of times that's the dynamic for empaths where they're the sensitive ones. They sometimes are the black sheep of the family and that can absolutely happen. Or it's the opposite where you're the person that always holds the family together and you're the one that is the connecting point. And we talked about that in the last episode that you don't have to make connections all the time. It's not your job to fix people. We'll talk about that again in this episode as well, especially if you haven't listened to that one, but I, I really highly recommend going back and doing so. So we, of course, are what we worked with strangers here. How do we interact with them? What is the energy levels that are happening there? Now we're getting closer at work. You know, we're kind of getting into our energy bubble and how things affect us a little bit deeper. And then of course our relationship with our family. And now we're talking about romantic partners. This is a harder one because we consciously choose to enmesh our energy with our partner, or our lover. I mean, even on a physiological level, if you have a child with a partner, you have completely enmeshed your energy, so to speak, creating a brand new set of cells, a little child, or if it's an adult child now, however old it is, you have created a new being, a new identity from the emergence and enmeshment of your spirits. And that's something that can be a challenge if you have a hard time separating your identity from your other And I know in romantic partnerships, there is, in our culture, the desire to be one. Some people put their names together. They share email addresses. They share everything. And I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful for romantic partners to have that closeness. And depending on your dynamic and the relationship type that you're in, everyone has different relationship types with their partners. Some of that can be very healthy, but as an empath, sometimes it can be very challenging if... You have no separate identity from your relationship with your romantic partner. Each individually, you say, I'm this person and then I'm this person, but together we're we're this, you know, commas create a third person together. Because that's, I think, what really I, I I think is more healthy to have like this is who we are together. This is who we are separate and apart. But if you don't have that identity point of who you are separately, then it's harder to separate yourself from your partner, especially if they're going through a, a rough mood. Maybe they're going through some health problems. If they're upset with us or we're upset with them and you know, there's a back and forth there, it's really, really challenging. Because I know those of out there who I work with that live with partners that maybe are struggling with mental health stuff or are physical health stuff, or they just when they get in bad moods. Like it's almost like really draining to be around them. But of course you want to fix things. We talked about in the last episode, we, we don't, it's not our job to fix people. But in this circumstance where you feel like you can't get away, you feel like you don't have a space to just feel okay again. In, in, the, in your downtime, which is usually your home when you're with your romantic partner, you're trying to figure out how can I, you know, all my downtime where I need to recover, unwind, fill up my cup, How can I do this now that my partner is experiencing this? I'm experiencing their pain physically, or I'm experiencing they're angry and it's making me feel all anxious inside, you know, and and they're just in a mood and maybe they're not even angry with you. They might be angry about something at work or, you know, a family member or something that's going on. So this is really a challenge when we, again, want to move back to that pattern of trying to fix things because of course it's affecting us, you know, physically, emotionally. So that's what we're going to talk about, you know, today as well is how do we stop enmeshing ourselves with our partner when they're in pain or they're angry or they're sad? The final energy enmeshment dynamic is the closest one, is relationships with children. Now, I'm going to include pets, okay? Because some of us don't have children, but we have pets. We have fur children. The dynamic with them is just as similar as it would be with children. When we devote ourselves to raising a child, even if we didn't plan on being a parent, On some level, there is instinct there to protect them when they're feeling afraid, when they're feeling helpless, when they're sick, get involved in their relationships if they're having struggles or if they're struggling with school or a task or any of those things. So, so much of our energy is just from a survival instinct to help them survive is enmeshed with them. Now we have some of us who are parents are maybe more helicopter parents and we're more involved. We're more really in our kids business. And of course, if you have ch- children that are for children, they're babies for the rest of their lives. They can't, you know, they need to rely on us for food and for taking them to the, go to the bathroom and grooming and all the things that involve depending on what type of pet you have. So I think that these dynamics are the hardest of all to separate, especially when they're sick or they're ill or they need our help. We're going to talk more about raising empathic children and children that might be on the, on the intuitive level are very highly intuitive. Um, coming up here in one of the episodes. So I want to make sure that you guys know that I'm going to be diving into that as a whole topic. But when it comes to being an empath yourself and dealing with raising children and, you know, you do feel when things are wrong, even if they haven't even got home from school yet. That is the mother's intuition and the father's intuition too. Dads have it too. But that's always the case where you have that mother that all of a sudden knew that their child was in a car accident or something happened. They didn't know what was going on, but they had this sudden urge to call them or figure out what's going on. And that is the level of intuition and the level of empathy, that energetic enmeshment that we have with our children and that we may always have with them until the day we die. So that's something that I think is beautiful and it's precious. But along the journey, because this is the most intimate relationship we have with these romantic partners and with our children, how do we learn to separate ourselves but still stay connected so that we are not brought down, that we are able to stay emotionally resilient in the face of their struggles and be able to then use our empathic skill set to help them, meet them where they're at, and help them again when they need help instead of you know trying to force things to be better and trying to fix things just so we can get out of emotional disarray or whatever we're feeling because of their struggles. I hope that makes sense that we have these different levels of intimacy. And if you are very high on the empathic uh, awareness scale, you may feel such love for humanity and a connection with all people that even strangers are hard for you to separate your energy from theirs, where you go somewhere and you feel that pull. So I want to just remind you that if you are feeling overwhelmed by being an empath and you are experiencing this energetic enmeshment and absorbing emotional you know, debris in environments that aren't even close to you, it's okay. I see it as a beautiful thing that you feel on some level so connected and love and this amount of compassion for humanity that you have a heart connection with all humanity and all all people you may see or encounter. Now, I know that sometimes it can feel overwhelming and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to turn it off. Again, listen to the last episode. But that, to me, is more of an awareness in your consciousness is moving towards the space of oneness. The question now is, how do we maintain that presence of mind and the state of being one and feeling a connection with all humans and compassion and empathy, but still maintaining our individual lives and identity and not letting our concern for them bring us down. So what are the ways we can stop absorbing emotional debris? I talked about this in one of the past episodes, but I think it's really important to revisit this because it's a very important foundational tool. What is mine and what is yours? We have to identify what emotional energy is ours and what emotional energy is another person's. We need to learn to differentiate our own identity again from ourselves and another person. So, my favorite way to do this is again to take an energy inventory. How are you feeling emotionally at that point in time? How does your body feel? Checking in with your body, if you're feeling aches and pains, if you're feeling, you know, elated, if you're feeling tired, that mental empath inventory is very helpful in helping you learn to identify what is yours. And sometimes if you are in the middle of feeling a, a partner or a family member that's experiencing something and you're worried or concerned about them, as you're scanning your body and you're feeling what you're, you're going through, you might start to say, I keep thinking about this person, you know, as I'm trying to scan and just feel me. If your brain just keeps jumping to a person that you're thinking about, chances are that you might be enmeshing your energy with theirs. And so that's where you can ask yourself a question. Am I feeling anxiety about someone else, about something else that's not me? Because chances are, if you are, it's not your energy, it's someone else's, it's your partner, it's your child, it's whatever. And that's, again, part of this important um, technique in learning to stop absorbing other people's energy, is we have to first start with what is mine and what is yours, and continue to build upon that as a practice, wherever we go, identifying this is my energy, And without judgment, most importantly, we don't want to judge something that we're feeling as negative or bad or low vibe. I honestly feel like when we do that, we are attaching ourselves to a charge, an emotional charge. So that person's feeling angry. I don't like that. That's not comfortable. When we're judging that and saying, I don't like that, it's bad energy, we're contributing to a resistance to it. And we say what we resist persists and what we embrace, we erase. So if we embrace the fact that we're feeling someone else's anger and say, okay, it is what it is. It's their anger. We're not judging it. We're not trying to push it away. We're not trying to absorb it deeper into ourselves either or trying to fix it for them. But when we can identify and be objective and say, it's just anger, that's what it is. Okay. When you can do that and identify it, that's when you can say that that's not mine. Okay. Okay and let it go. Now, I think letting go is a whole thing for empaths, and that's a whole nother episode. We can talk about that, but that's really a, a foundational tool to start with. Identify what your own energy is and learn to differentiate it from others. Use it all the time, wherever you go. When you start scanning your environment and saying, well, that's someone else's energy over there, you can go on a whole rabbit hole, just feeling into them as you're in a conversation and just get all this, you know, feelings about this or feeling about that. And it can be very confusing, but I really highly recommend just to bring yourself and your awareness back to what is yours, what feels like you. So that's foundational tool number one. When we can use this in our relationships that are close to us, now we'll start with the strangers here it's a little bit easier, right? We can say, well, that's not me. I don't even know this person, right? If you're energetically sensitive, and I'm very highly intuitive as a intuitive professional, I feel that a lot of times I know those people on a very deep level because I experience, if I let myself open up to that, um, I can experience and get a lot of psychic information about that person. And luckily I can learn to kind of pull back and not do that all the time. And I really do think that people who are professional psychics or people who are empathic um, or highly intuitive, if we don't learn to do this, we can really mess up our nervous system. It's very challenging and hard on the nervous system to always be on input mode, as I've talked about in the past episodes. So I think it's def- definitely very powerful to be able to identify, this is someone else's stuff. I don't know them. you know. I I know that they're feeling this way right now. This is what I'm experiencing, but I'm going to bring my awareness back to what my energy is. Same thing with relationships at work. When you have your own identity and your own knowing that this is mine versus someone else's, at work it's a little bit easier, right? Because you can say, well, that's someone else's. They're upset about something or a deadline or that was a pretty crazy meeting and I know that they're upset with so-and-so or there was a client that was a struggle or a customer. You can identify that that's not yours. But now when we move into the relationship family dynamics and the romantic partners and the children Identifying what's yours and what's theirs can be a little bit more challenging. So even if you need to use a list to write down your distinguishing character traits, who are you? What does your energy feel like? If you gave it a color, what color would it be? Is it soft? Is it firm? Is it assertive? Is it passive? All the different words, even maybe if it's an animal, if you could say, if I was an animal, I would be this. Identify yourself as all those things. And then if you want to write down your family members, my son is strong, he's creative, he's all these words, you can do that. And I think that's really helpful to identify what's yours and what's theirs. And if you can have that list in front of you, you can go into their space, maybe their room, if it's your child, and you can identify this is their energy. That again, especially when you're living in close proximity to other people, Having that foundation of knowing what's yours and what's theirs by identifying even with key words, taking it from this nebulous sort of emotional field of just emotional absorption and like nonverbal, just input, you know, signals that we're getting. We, we, we don't really have a word for those. It makes it a little bit harder to distinguish. And again, it's so nebulous. So, write down these characteristics of what this person is to you. What do you would perceive them to be as their identity? That can really help you nail down and also build your language for when you feel that type of energy signature, so to speak, maybe in others or in another space. You said, this feels familiar. It feels kind of like my son' energy. And then maybe you'll meet that person and learn that there's similar characteristics to that person as you get to know them and go, wow, that's interesting. And that's how you develop this whole language of being highly intuitive or empathic and learning to trust that. Because if you're giving words and giving a language to the emotional input signals that you're getting, then you're able to identify specific feelings and emotional signatures in other environments and other people as you encounter them. And still identify, these are theirs, this is mine. So number two ways to stop absorbing emotional debris. Marking your territory. And no, I don't I don't mean like a dog and <laughs> like how dogs mark their territory, but claiming your energy, claiming your space, claiming your things. Now people use this term all the time, kind of in the spiritual realms. They say, claim your space, claim your space. Well, what the heck does that mean on a practical level? When you identify that these are my characteristics, this is who I am. Let's just imagine that you are claiming your space in your bedroom. Well, what type of things represent you? For me, I love hearts. I love the color purple. I am really a book nerd. I love reading. So for me, if I was to come into a blank room that doesn't have any of my energy on it, none of my my identity points are not being placed into that room. So when I claim an energy or a space, I will say, "Well, this is my table. This is my side table. These are my books." You know, it's kind of around, around physical things to start, but this is my space. These are my little gemstones I have next to my bed at night. I um, have my headphones, you know, all the things that make up who I am are put into that space. This is really helpful, of course, for your office space too. So if you have anywhere in in your office that you can claim that's yours, even if it's just a cubby that you put your things in, that can be very, very helpful. Now let's talk about if you work in a space that's shared with other people and how do you claim your space in that way? And also when you're going into staying in hotel rooms, so this is something that's a little bit um, nebulous, but we're going to talk up and talk it through here. When you are entering into a space that's shared, like a hotel room or a shared office space. So for example, in our office space, we have multiple massage therapists and practitioners that use different rooms. So if you're an energy sensitive and you're coming into either a shared office space like that, or even maybe you work you know, at a restaurant or something where there's a lot of movement and there's not one person claims that space, What you can do is claiming the space immediately around you. And what that looks like is you are identifying your characteristic points. When you're walking, you feel your energy as I'm a soft person. I'm compassionate. I'm also funny. Whatever these things are, you can say them in your head. You can imagine them as that color that you wrote down and identified your energy and what you are. Imagine that you're walking in a bubble of that around your body, around your form, You can use it as a visual picture, but I think that that's really helpful to really give yourself almost like a psychological anchor to yourself because these are, again, psychological terms and identifying who you are. And when you can visualize it and maybe even use a talisman or your clothing, something that you identify with that you are further creating an identity point. So whatever way you dress, Whatever your style is, you may not have a style. And if you don't, I suggest getting something, even if it's a zany style, whatever that it is. It doesn't have to be hip or fashionable, but claiming how you dress, how you walk, recognizing how you stand and your posture, how your voice is when you talk, recognizing those things, accepting them, embracing them, and recognizing them as you. Because those can all be anchor points when you're coming into a shared space with other people that you can't really put down your things and say, this is my room now. You know what I mean? You can just claim, this is who I am. This is how I'm walking. This is my energy. And when you walk into a space, you come in with so much more power. And with that word power, I don't mean overbearing power, trying to have power over others, but power that you are the dominant force within your little space, that your energy will not be infiltrated by someone else's. You're safe and you're comfortable in who you are, in the way you walk, in the way you talk. Even if you're insecure about it a little bit, those are things, of course, to work through because... Those, of course, create weaknesses almost in your field because then you're going back and asking, well, is this good enough? And should I be more like that? Should I dress like this? That again creates that enmeshment. So the more firm we are in knowing who we are and feeling confident in that, even if there's imperfections, because I know I have, I am, I am impatient. <laughs> I am an Aries. I am impatient at times. And there are absolutely times where I am not the best at communicating. And those are points for me that sometimes are insecurities. But I know those to be who I am. And I, I actually love that a part of myself. It's a little quirky. And I know I'm working through those things. But I claim that. I claim my flaws as well as my strengths. And when you can walk into a space and do so and know those things about yourself, like you know you have, I have social anxiety. <laughs> That's just who I am right now. You know, but I also know that I also have this body and I dress this way. This is my favorite color I'm wearing today. I have my talisman on that are my necklace. Some people, you know, use religious symbols or icons or a crystal or a gemstone or maybe a necklace that their grandmother left them, something that they can claim that's theirs. Now, when it is something that goes into like a grandmother or grandfather or someone's item that you did that you are wearing, that someone crossed over, that's a whole nother thing because you can potentially be on a, on a psychological level holding their energy. But if it's someone that you feel that's protective for you, um, even if it's something like Archangel Michael is said to be the, I call him the bouncer angel, the angel to help us feel safe and protected and to eliminate you know energies that are disruptive to us. Again, that's a psychological anchor. And it's very spiritual for people who connect on that level with angelic being. So, of course, wearing a Archangel Michael necklace is very helpful or a bracelet or whatever it is that you have, or even a tattoo. So marking your territory is an amazing way to stop absorbing that emotional debris. So claiming your energy is walking within yourself into a space. And then if you do have a space that you're able to work with, cubby, a cubicle, an office space, whatever it is, that's when you want to sit down and claim your space in a physical way. You have a specific maybe mouse pad, or you have maybe some decor. You have pictures of your family, things that uplift you. You have maybe essential oil diffuser, whatever it is that you love that you put into that space. It's a really great way to claim it. Now on enmeshing energy in hotel spaces, this is a really big one because I remember years ago as an empath, I was again, unable to turn down my sensitivity as a psychic too, so not just an empath, but all the things that I was experiencing in two big places that affect me, hospitals and hotel rooms. Those two spaces can be very overwhelming because there's so many people that have come and been in those spaces and specifically in hospitals because they have a lot more energetic charge to their experience there. Usually there's, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's death, there's all the things that happen in a hospital. And so those are some really I, I hate to use the word toxic, but for empaths who are sensitive, who can't turn down that sensitivity, it can feel very toxic to be in those spaces. So some of the ways that I utilize clearing space in those particular situations is by doing prayer, by calling upon something to feel help me feel safe. Um, when I was staying in a hotel room, I of course, you can't burn sage or do anything like that. Um, sometimes you can't burn candles, but I used a, a sage spray. I had a smudge spray that I used. And all of those tools, we're going to talk about those here for psychic spring cleaning. We're going to do an energetic uh, spring cleaning here coming up for this uh, next month. But I think that those things are very powerful in claiming your space and marking your territory, so to speak. You are basically setting an intention in a room with different types of tools. And we'll talk about how those tools work and ones that we love. And we'll go into that in an upcoming episode here. But marking your territory is a great way for you to, you know, not only be able to interact with strangers because again, you're claiming your energy when you're walking into the space of the grocery store and the queue line. So you can keep yourself in a separate space, so to speak. And same thing with at work. And also with our family and our romantic partners and our children, we have to have a separate space. Even if that is, I need to go into the bathroom and you go in there and you pray in the bathroom, you, you know, light a candle, you turn on the hot bath, and you have your own physical space that is sacred to you. You're separating yourself from your children. Nobody can come knock on the door. This is my time. Wherever it is, it could be in your garden. It could be in a den. That is so important to have your own time to claim that energy and just to kind of separate yourself, so to speak, from everybody else and what's going on in the household. Or even when you're visiting family, you're visiting your your childhood home, you know, that can be really interesting because it can bring up a lot of memories for you and you can absolutely start to go back into these different spaces. But if you continue to bring yourself back to who you are now, how you walk, how you talk, how you're dressing, if you have something on your person you're wearing to help you feel that safety, that's very, very important. And I think also when it comes to these closer dynamics... One really great way to mark your territory, so to speak, claim your own energy and to not enmesh yourself, especially with children and romantic partners, is to create an energy persona. So for me, I have no tolerance for inauthenticity. Most empaths out there, we, we, we just want to feel authentic in our relationships. We don't want to feel phony. We don't like having these, you know, maybe shallow conversations with people. We just want to feel that there's a realness there, that there's no Uh, facades. But when it comes to maybe separating yourself when you're really, really sensitive or you're really interconnected or enmeshed with a partner or a child, to being able to become more objective so you can help them better, so you're not getting pulled down or drained by whatever they're going through. Creating an energy persona can be very helpful. So for example, as a adult, as a parent, that persona can look like What is the personality that you switch into when it's time to maybe discipline, when it's time to have fun, when it's time to get work done and you get on your serious mode? Those are different types of faces that we play in the dynamics with our partners and with our children. So if we can identify one of those, maybe your energy persona when your child or your spouse is going through something tough is someone who you know it's strong that's not wavering. Think of a man or a woman maybe in the public eye or even a a fictional character that you relate and say, you know, that person's strong. They're able to be there for people, but they're able to just be content and they're not needing to fix or change things. You can start with that if you don't have like an idea of what that looks like for you. But for me, I create an energy persona of I am the person that's able to hold things together. I'm stable. I'm able to be with my family and let them be in their wounds, in their struggles. I reach out and ask if they want help, but I'm able to pull back and go and sit in my office or into my spaces and read my book and, and sometimes forget that they're going through what they're going through. But, you know, I'll go and check on them. But years ago, I was unable to do that. You know, if my partner was upset or upset with me or my son was going through something, And you can't change it. You know, there's nothing you can do to help to say, hey, do you want to talk about it? You know, when that gets to that space, I used to just sit there. And I know a lot of empaths out there have have experienced this. I would sit there and feel uncomfortable. I would feel discontent. It would just be anxiety ridden. The experience of when are they going to be stopped being, you know, upset or sad, or I want to fix this. And again, that is really challenging because you're trying to unwind and fill up your cup in your own downtime. And it was really nerve wracking because I was unable to separate. I would be, my mind would keep thinking about them. I'd go in the room where they're at and see if there's anything I could do. And that's just draining. And that is opening yourself up to absorb more of what's going on with them and taking on sometimes the energy for them. And like I said, when you are in a healthy dynamic, you can allow someone to vent, to share with you, and you don't hold it for them. You let it go for them. You accept, you love. You're not having to take on their emotional burden they're experiencing and try to fix it for them because that's taking away part of their journey. It's part of their journey to hold that energy. But you can listen and they can offload a little a little bit. And it's interesting we use those words to offload the stress because it is a load, it is a heaviness, it is a burden. It feels even like that as an empath. But when you take it, you don't have to hold it. When someone's offloading, they're venting, they're sharing something with you, you can listen, empathize, And not have to put it into your body, so to speak. You can just observe it and then let it go because you know it's not yours. And that's how, and we'll go deeper into this in the future episodes of how we let go, but letting go is recognizing that it's not yours. Pulling back to you and your identity again is important to remember. So look at experiencing um, a different persona, when you are in these situations that are very hard. The child, it can be harder because you're like, well, I don't want to separate myself and I don't want them to feel this way or that way. But being a parent, it is important to be able to create these different roles that you play. It's time to play, it's time to work, it's time to be, you know, you're not listening to the rules. Those are so important. And I think when we can put on those personas, we can separate ourselves, so to speak, from feeling so much and being so enmeshed with them the final step to stop absorbing emotional debris is to embrace contrast and separateness. We have to notice the differences in our stuff versus another and allowing ourselves to stand in our own bubble. We talked about that, you know, identifying what's ours and what's what's theirs and allowing that contrast to be there. Because again, like I said before, what we resist persists and what we embrace, we erase. When there's contrast, we resist it. We feel that maybe sometimes there's a separation or a difference, and we don't want separateness. We want to be together. We want everyone to feel happy and calm and peaceful. And when we can embrace the separateness, the uniqueness, the differences between us and others, and accept it through love, we're not holding it anymore and trying to fix it and make it different or, mal- you know, it's, oh, it's we can make this change and, you know, because a lot of time energy is malleable and we try to use our love to shift it, right? To be where we want it to be. And I do think that we can really find more love and grace in our lives if we embrace the differences. And that goes along with strangers, people at work, your family. There's so many differences in family. Sometimes we are very similar yet very different. And if we can celebrate these differences, and even if in your mind You know, you need to look at your family members or your your work family, whatever it is, if you need to look at them in your mind just for a second, as if they're characters in a movie, that we're all characters in a movie or show. And if that helps you to kind of zoom out and see what's going on, or even to laugh at it. You sometimes situations are so hyperbolic and so emotionally charged, there's so much energy around a situation that If we back up and we realize that this situation right now, we are floating around on a rock in the middle of outer space, and this is just a zoomed-in drama here that we're experiencing, and this too shall pass, that perspective can really start to shift. I don't like people to disassociate as empaths, meaning you separate yourself so much from yourself that you don't feel anything, that it's kind of a way to override discomfort. I think that that, we'll talk about that and actually have an episode coming up for that on spiritual bypassing, you know, avoiding these problems and these things that feel uncomfortable, you know, shining light on things and praying things away and trying to just get things to go away and be in denial of what's really going on. I don't ever support that, but I do support in certain circumstances where things are very overwhelming for us, until we can get to a space where we can be by ourselves and decompress, I do utilize the tool of seeing people as characters and maybe even finding humor in the situation inside my mind, not being emotionally or socially rude or being unkind, you know, through laughing at someone through a situation they're going through. thats That's not kind. But through myself as a way to decompress in that moment, I will find the humor in the situation and see, you know, how silly this looks, how silly this must be that we're, you know, upset over spilt milk or that we're fighting about these things because in reality, life is short. We're living on a rock that's floating of space into a miracle that we're even here. And this is amazing. This is amazing and beautiful that I'm witnessing even this quarrel or witnessing this person going through this part of their life. That is the drama part. It's the peak or the valley, you know? And when you zoom out and you see that, I think it's really powerful. And being a medium, it's something that one of the blessings about that is I've been able to look at how finite life is and how when people cross over, there is so much joy and messages and talking about how life is short and that we, we miss so much of it because we're really wrapped up in things in a way that is heavy instead of really seeing what really is in front of us and not underestimating things and taking things for granted. And I think that is a really powerful way to embrace life and embrace contrast too, and the separateness that we have as human beings, just to really find the beauty in the situation. So those three ways to stop absorbing emotional debris, again, we're going to talk more about energy techniques in the next episode, and that'll be the final episode of our Empath series here. But I think if you can embrace what's yours and identify, you know, this is mine, this is theirs. If you can claim your energy and claim your space and even create a persona around yourself, you know, that's why being in at work or being working with strangers is a little bit easier as an empath because we do create a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of a facade sometimes. And that's okay. And especially if you're an empath and that feel like, Oh, I'm being phony. I'm being fake. No, that's a socially acceptable persona that you're putting on because right now you don't want to share your entire life story and. You don't want to, you know, enmesh your energy with others. That's how we do it. We create a little bit of a boundary through a separate buffer. It's like imagine your persona almost like a little, like a literal mask or a suit you're putting over your authentic personality. And that's okay. It can be a really nice shield. And then embracing our contrast and our separateness, again, helps us to stand in our own selves and to observe others versus feel them, to notice the differences in them versus us and accept those. And then, of course, we're going to talk about maintaining our energy hygiene in the next episode. That, I think, is a really important way to stop absorbing emotional debris, as well as all these episodes. We talked about, you know, the non-negotiables for self-care, self-care non-negotiables for empaths, how to down the nervous system, um, clearing your space and making sure that you are claiming your own energy, in, talking about boundaries And then, of course, how do we allow ourselves to get drained in our relationships with strangers at work, with family, with romantic partners, and with children? So if we can utilize all these tools step by step, I think these are really great foundations to stop absorbing emotional debris. So to recap what we talked about today, we talked about how we enmesh our energy with strangers, with people at work, with our family, our romantic partners, and with our children We talked about the three important ways to really stop absorbing emotional debris, knowing what's yours and what's theirs, identifying and learning to differentiate, marking your territory and claiming your energy and your space and even creating an energy persona if needed, and embracing contrast and separateness and noticing the difference in in yourself versus another and standing in your own bubble and allowing yourself to observe versus feel others and feeling with acceptance and love. In our next and final episode for the Empath series, we're going to be talking about mastering energy management. And these are tools for empath empowerment that are relating to the energy aspect of our experiences. So we talked about, again, self-care, the physical things we need to be doing to help ourselves working with boundaries, working with counselor or coach. And in this episode, ways to stop absorbing energy of other people and our relationship dynamics. And again, the next episode, we're going to go into these really fun ways that you may not have explored yet for ways to maintain your energy hygiene. So stick around and thank you guys so much for listening to the series. I'm loving all your questions you're sending us. And thank you again so much for listening to this podcast. So we're really, really grateful for having all you listeners out there and to support you in any way we can. So thank you again, my friends and be well till next time. you for listening to the mind body detox podcast we wish you wellness and health in your mind body and spirit and be well until next time my friends